This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, thanks to Dodge for sponsoring the show and Autotempest.com on the web and Subaru. And uh, who else is there? Gosh, Brembo. And we got a bunch of good sponsors. I very much appreciate that in the world today. Our sponsors keep us alive. George Kennedy is joining us here. George Kennedy III, co-founder of Cartender. He is a freelance automotive journalist and works for the likes of CarGurus.com, Boston Globe, and U.S. News and World Report. And uh, and he's a contributor here on The Drive. So, George, how you been? Doing all right, man. How you doing? <laughs> doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Yeah, and that's really all anybody can say right now, I guess. Doing all right. <laughs> I'm hanging in there. Oh, boy. Okay, so... What George is driving is a 2022 Hyundai Tucson hybrid, and I am really, really liking hybrids the more my daughter owns hers. And, you know, here's the thing. George, you and I, we get to drive these cars, you know, for a week, five days. Sometimes, you know, if they're really expensive ones, maybe just for a day. But when you live in these vehicles, you go, I could do that. Right. So with hybrid vehicles, whenever I get one, I always go, I could do that because, you know, they're just economic. You know what I mean? Good economics to them. Yeah. And and what's really neat is that, you know, think about 20 years ago when the Prius was sort of one of the few hybrids out there. And it's a standalone vehicle. It's a a bit of a lifestyle change to move to a hybrid like that's a dedicated compact hatchback sedan thing like that. Right. But automakers have gotten really good about basically hybridizing all of their conventional vehicles, namely their best sellers. Right. So if you look at Hyundai, there's a hybrid version of the Sonata, as well as this vehicle, the Tucson, which is once again, it's a compact SUV. It's going to be one of their top sellers. Right. So it's a smart move by them to normalize hybrids by making a hybrid variant available of their most popular vehicles. Yeah. It's funny you you brought something back in my mind when you said, you know, 20 okay. years ago with the Toyota Prius. <laughs> so in the year 20, uh, I was going to say, was it 2020? No, that was last year. In the year 2000, so 21 years ago, this was, you know, the, the Toyota Prius, it was out. It was like, it's out. Yeah. It came out in, in like, I think, 99, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, back then it was a hybrid variant of the Toyota Echo. Right, right. So, I mean, it was out, and I was asked to go on The View with Barbara Walters. Do you know who Barbara Walters is? Are you old enough? I, I do. I'm surprised you are not a permanent panelist on The View. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. I went on there one time, and that was enough. But anyway, so I go on there, and there's Joy Behar and the other, you know, whoever was on at the time, and... And Barbara Walters was actually on the show. So I'm showing this Toyota Prius. And Barbara Walters, you know, I mean, and I wasn't showing the car. Actually, we were sitting two on each side of a television screen. And I was showing the cars on a TV screen, which is different from what I do with Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest and Regis back then. 
And uh, so there's the Prius. And so Barbara Walters, after I get done talking about the Prius and what a hybrid is, you know what Barbara Walters says? She goes, wow, those are really neat. They should make them. And I'm like, <laughs> and I looked at Joy Behar and she kind of, her eyebrows, you know, they're up way up on the top of her forehead. They jumped up real high and she had that big smile on her face. And I'm thinking, are they joking with me? Is Barbara Walters joking with me? And then I looked at the other girls that are next to me and it was this pregnant pause and I didn't know what to do. So I go, they are making them. It's right here. You know, it's like, <laughs> and she goes, well, I don't know. I don't even drive. And I'm like, oh well, my God. Sometimes the setups come naturally for you, right? <laughs> right. Talk about, you know, lobbing me a, a softball. Anyway, uh, it was funnier than hell. And, but I got to tell you, I have not ever really been, you know, like sold on them because of the battery technology and all the garbage, even though the Toyota Prius the Toyota Prius has always been a really good machine. So anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk about these um, hybrid vehicles, and especially the one that George is talking about, this Hyundai Tucson. And we'll also talk about uh, infotainment systems. Uh, and what I want, you've got. Oh, that's the song. It's hollow notes. I know. I'll take a break. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor on the road ahead. Shopping cars online is a hassle, or is it? You probably search this site, that site, browse here, search there. Who has the time or the patience? Autotempest.com is the Internet's best car shopping tool. With one easy search, see all the cars from the web's top car shopping sites all at once. Why browse some of the cars when Autotempest.com gives you everything? Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. Thanks to Subaru and, uh, of course, all Subaru products. Get out and drive one. They're excellent vehicles. Uh, love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Can't go wrong with a Subaru. Uh, George Kennedy joining us. George Kennedy the third. Again, he's driving a 2022 Hyundai Tucson Hybrid. George, welcome back to the show. Um, so I got to say, let me just tell you, first of all, I was talking about my daughter. She bought a uh, Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid minivan. And... They showed me how many miles it has. They've put 5,600 and some odd miles on it, okay? 5,600 miles in about four months. And they showed me the average mile wow. per gallon that they had been getting since ownership. So since they took delivery, the car they got, it had like 13 miles on it. They had gotten 55 miles per gallon average. 55 That's miles incredible. per gallon. Yes, because it's a hybrid, so at night it's a plug-in hybrid, which is a big difference. At night, every night, they plug it into their garage. When she comes to my house, 
they her husband set up a little place where he could park in front of my garage and plug into my outlet, steal my electricity. I know. But everywhere they go, if they can, they plug it in. And she got 995 miles out of her first tank of gas on that vehicle. 995 miles. I think the hybrid is brilliant because the first, depending on what vehicle you buy, like I don't, and I'm going to ask you about this Hyundai Tucson, the first X number of miles are on electricity and then the engine will start up and away you go. What is it on the 2022 Tucson? Well, you bring up a good point too because they do make a plug in version of this as well. Okay. Plug in will do 32 miles before the gas kicks in. And that, you know, I think that, that, does incredibly well but we average like 31 32 but i do have a pretty heavy right foot <laughs> right it averages 37 miles per gallon according to the epa okay so that's pretty impressive and on top of that of all the three variants so the conventional version the plug-in version and this hybrid version this is the most powerful version it has 261 horsepower that's pretty good for a, a compact suv right no and listen back to my daughter's vehicle again the pacifica minivan that's a big vehicle and she got the Pinnacle package, which is like, you know, the super-duper loaded one. And because of the lack of chips, you know, the um, semiconductor chips that they're not getting for these new vehicles, my son-in-law shows me the other day, he goes, look at my vehicle went up in the book value, the Kelly Blue Book. And it's like, right, right. yeah, things, things you own right now, people, cars anyway, and trucks and SUVs and, and minivans, they're all going up in value if they're, you know, the nicer, newer vehicles because nobody's able to get them. So they're having to buy used ones. So all of a sudden, you know, our websites like for you, George, uh, Car Gurus or the one that sponsors the show, Autotempest.com, these guys... Thank goodness for them, because you can't just go down to the dealer right now. Our Jeep dealer over here doesn't have any new Jeeps at it. None. They've got some used ones, but there's just, there's a problem. We've been talking about it for weeks, and it may go on for a year or so, this chip problem. Yeah, there, there will be some, there, yeah. there'll be some knock-on effects that people don't expect, like the chip shortage, obviously, but, you know, there will be other ripples. You know, there right. may be certain other components that are not as ubiquitous as chips like certain brands might get hit more than others on certain components that they might have difficulty getting a hold of that's right that's right so you have been driving this 2022 hyundai tucson hybrid and you like it yeah yeah so for the past 15 20 years hyundai has been taking its best shot at the big three japanese automakers and you know they've been getting better in terms of quality in terms of styling in terms of the the features and the value you're getting from it the one area where they were falling behind was drivability. They kind of felt a little bit numb. That's not the case anymore. I mean, 261 horsepower. It's got pretty solid acceleration. You know, the, the steering is well-weighted. It corners well. It just drives really well. And it, it rounds out this great package, which has very dynamic styling, including the awesome grill up front that is sort of the headlights that integrate into the grill. And you kind of can't tell what's headlight or grill that's cool until you turn it on yeah so it, it's a really cool stealthy all looking yeah all right hold tight we're going to talk more about this we this is like a brand new vehicle out we need to talk about it plus george's got a lot of comments on the infotainment system not only this one but all of them man they're getting more and more complicated all the time i still don't even know how to use my clicker on my tv we're in trouble we'll take a little break you're listening to the drive don't go anywhere
miss the latest auto news, videos, and real-world reviews. Find us online at thedrivewithalantaylor.com. Why should you trust Brembo Brakes? Because 60 years of racing, testing, braking, and bettering. Because dogs in the road, indecisive squirrels, and that kid chasing the lost ball. Because tiny humans in the back seat and blind turns in front of you. Because every car should be equipped with the same kind of performance, safety, and comfort that manufacturers and professional drivers trust every day. Visit buybrimbo.com and learn more about the most trusted brakes in braking. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America and around the world. Our show brought to you in part by Brembo. Brembo Brakes, the choice of champions. You can buy them at buybrembo.com. Buybrembo.com. B-U-I, not B-Y. Um, George Kennedy is driving yep. a nice vehicle here. Um, the Hyundai Tucson is a nice vehicle, actually. Hyundai, listen, here's the good part, you guys. Nobody that makes cars in the United States right now is making a bad car. They're all pretty good. Now, we got some new car companies that are coming out, George, that the jury is still out on, but they're not out yet. They're not. They're not out. They're coming out, and then we'll be talking about them a lot. But car companies like Hyundai and Kia, car companies that used to be like, oh, it's one of those Korean car companies. OMG. They literally have come in and set some standards that the car, the likes of Mercedes-Benz and the uh, the premium car companies have really had to step up their game. Would you agree? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, this Tucson, I mean, it competes with the RAV4 and the Honda CRV. I mean, these are some of the perennial bestsellers in the segment. Yeah. And the Tucson is right there in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things about it that I like more. You know, once again, great value. You get a ton of content. We're driving the Limited. So it's got everything. It's got heated and cooled seats. It's got leather. It's got a big touchscreen, which, you know, they have been really good in the past, you know, five to seven years about their infotainment system. It's pretty much the same infotainment system, except they got rid of the volume and tuning knobs and replaced them with, like, the buttons you would see on your microwave, which, I mean, you know me, man. Oh. I When I see an interior that does not have a volume knob or a tuning knob, <laughs> right. It's a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, I hear you. How much is this vehicle, by the way, as tested? You had a loaded one. Yeah, so fully loaded Tucson Limited Hybrid with all-wheel drive came in at $38,000, which start shopping around the segment, and that's not too far off for some of the more fully loaded ones. And right. There are some rivals that cost more. Mm. All right, so how do you overcome not having the um, volume knob and what have you? Like you say, microwave buttons is kind of how you described it. Yeah, right. So sort of one of the cop-outs that automakers will often use is saying, well, you've got your controls on the on the steering wheel, and you know once you get your presets uh, locked in and everything, you don't need to come back to these different buttons and whatnot. But you know, what about having to loan that vehicle to a friend or having different family members in the car? And, you know, at the end of the day, what if you're trying to turn off the volume or down the volume quickly or the, what's about the front passenger? The fact that you have to individually press the button every time is pretty maddening. So, you know, in a lot of ways, the technology is going in the right direction, but it's one of these things where if they ever stop to just let somebody on the street hop in the car during development and play around with it, that would get targeted immediately as something that they'd have to to change. Well, it goes back to 
I'm going to say it harkens back to when BMW came out with the iDrive. And I literally, and it was probably pretty darn harsh, and I'm sure BMW hated me for it. I called it the I want to kill myself drive instead of the I drive. <laughs> because, you know, it was so difficult. There was such a learning curve that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an idiot in some ways. And I, I don't want to learn while I'm driving a car. And I don't want to sit there and learn how to use my radio. I'm a full-grown man. I can turn over and turn the knob <laughs> on. Well, when there's no knob to turn on, and now I got to know what one of these little haptic feedback buttons, or God knows what it is, or touch screen that, you know, still I have to take my eyes off the road and put it over to that, you know. So I feel like it used to be that we could drive kind of a little bit of braille. You could keep your eye on the road and reach down and fill the knobs and go, okay, I remember the feel it's, of that knob. And it had little, you know, lines in it. Yeah. Hold in 6 a.m. in your garage and the garage light goes out and you <laughs> forgot to like have the car set so that the door, the, the light goes right, on when you turn on. Right. Can you find the, the controls that you need? Right. right exactly. And you use BMW as a great example because BMW listened to the critics and now on the new iDrive, it has both the little controller but it also has touchscreen functionality. Yeah. And you still get a little dial in the center console for volume. Yeah. The problem here is that all these companies are moving in the right direction for so long, and then this was a conscious choice to take a step backwards. And yeah. so that's, that's the maddening part. It's not like they have well, done without a volume knob for the past 20 years. Right. But here at the end of the day, look at we're complaining about such s silly little things you know but these are the i think these are important things that go to like basic drivers driver interface like you know while we're on it the the shifter buttons i think that all shifters should be uniform yeah. either as a column in the in the middle or on the steering wheel if you're a truck you know and there's a safety element to unifying all right it, listen, right listen i know but here's what i'm hearing in my voice you're being too picky. That's why I, I hear that in my own mind's That's voice. That's what you pay to do, man. I, I know. No, I know. But uh, <laughs> so then my, my mind says, tell George he's got little ears and a big nose. See, that's how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> George, thank you, sir. Um, the, uh, the first of all, this Hyundai Tucson hybrid, 38000 bucks for a fully loaded one in today's marketplace. If you can find one, you better grab it. They're wonderful machines. They really are. Hyundai makes fantastic vehicles. Kia makes fantastic vehicles. Honda, Toyota, Nissan, you name it. They're all fantastic vehicles. Find the one that fits you, that you get in and you can intuitively do what you got to do and make that your vehicle. Make sure it drives right, the seat feels right, and all that. But it's a personal That's choice. Yeah. All right, George. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, Good luck. Steve Winwood, roll with it, baby. You know, that's what I'm saying. Roll with it, baby. We'll take a little break. Carl Brower is going to be up next with us, and uh, we'll see what he's going to complain about. It's a complain-a-thon today. All the little things that we don't like about these cars. We'll just tell you all about them right here. Now's the time to earn your bragging rights and rule the road in a powerful Dodge vehicle. 
with enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true. It's no wonder J.D. Power named Dodge the number one ranked brand in initial quality and driver appeal for mass market brands. Join the brotherhood and experience the strength of Dodge muscle today. Visit Dodge.com or see your local Dodge dealer for great deals. Tied for initial quality study. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Dodge Domestic, not domesticated. Some big stuff brewing with Dodge, too. I think it's going to blow your mind. I'm Alan Taylor. Um, joining me right now is my good friend Carl Brower. He is a North American Car and Truck of the Year juror and board member. And um, he has recently driven the new Toyota Tundra, of which I don't know how long of a long time of this has been coming, Carl, because it seems like it's been a long time coming. Tundra has been a long time coming for the redesign, undeniably. You know, I mean, here's a truck that uh, was introduced in 2007 after they built an all new plant in San Antonio, Texas to produce it. Right. And I always kind of felt bad for Toyota, honestly, because which is not, not common, you know, they're, they're doing okay. But in this case, the plant went way over budget, took way longer to get built than it was supposed to. Then they introduced the truck in 2007. And you might remember some things were going on in 2007 and even 2008. In, oh, uh, in yeah, a little economy uh, problem, I think in real estate <laughs> and you know, just everybody was crashing out and burning down. Yeah. Right. This was the era where people were almost going, you know, we had two car companies that essentially had to be saved. And right. among the reasons they had to be saved, among many reasons, was all their in-house financing places had written three-year leases on trucks and SUVs, which were normally their biggest profit drivers. Right. And they were coming back and they were worth nothing. You know, like they were charging people to rent a truck or an SUV essentially for three years in a lease. And then the vehicle came back and then they get to sell it again. And they had a predicted value that the car was going to be worth and the lease was supposed to cover the difference. Oh, between kind the of opposite, value and the opposite of what's going on right this very moment, huh? Total opposite. Precisely. <laughs> precisely. All of a sudden, gas prices spike, economy dumps, nobody wants a big truck that gets terrible mileage, and all these vehicles are coming off lease in like seven, eight, nine, ten, and they're worth nothing. And all oh. these car companies that are financing the leases with their in-house finance arms are taking a bath, the whole thing. And in the midst of this, here comes a brand new big truck, the biggest truck that uh, Toyota's ever built, launching right. in 2007. Gas sucking hog, too. <laughs> exactly. Big right. V8 engine, big truck. You know, they finally got sick of being made fun of because they, you know, ah, it's a Toyota truck. It's never as big or as manly and meaty as the domestics. So we're going right. to fix that. They kind of went overboard. I remember sitting in that first Tundra and like reaching for like the center controls, and I kind of, and I'm not a small person, I couldn't kind of reach them without totally leaning way forward. And I'm like, they went a little ridiculous. This truck is a little oversized in ways just to kind of trying to, they're kind of, you know, compensating for previous versions of their full-size truck. And this one is a little over the top. Right. So the first, there was the T100 that was pre-Tundra. And then there was the first generation Tundra. And neither of them were really full-size trucks. The 07 truck was a full-size truck. And then some. And it hits right when trucks and SUVs are suddenly, you know, uh, you know, uh, not popular. They're they're kind of number public enemy number one in, right. in a lot of ways. Right. After they spent all this money on this on this plant, so 
it's been a bumpy ride for Toyota's truck, full-size truck efforts. In spite of the fact that Tacoma, their compact mid-size truck, whatever you want to call it, is one of the most successful ones in that category for decades. And the full-size one has been kind of the opposite. And now they've got a brand new one coming out for 2022. It's an all-new Tundra, the first real redesign since 2007 for this truck. Wow. Yeah, and it was long in the tooth, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time, 13 right. years. That's really twice. Most trucks are redesigned every six to eight years. So right. going 13 years is a long time for it without a true full redesign. And some really interesting developments, you know. I mean, no V8 in this new truck. What? One is a powerful 3.5-liter V6 turbo, and the other one is a 3.5-liter V6 engine with hybrid. It's a hybrid uh, powertrain. Huh. The non-hybrid version makes more torque and horsepower than the V8 that was in the last one going out right. and the hybrid version makes a lot more torque and horsepower than the V8 that uh, was just replaced. So these are not underpowered trucks and I've driven them and trust me, they have all the acceleration you need, especially that hybrid one, Alan is like a performance car. It's oh, like a muscle wow. car. I mean, yeah. it's fast because all that torque from well, that, well, that you know, electric my, motor. That's My son-in-law just got a new F-150, a 2021 by a pure fluke, they got a, they got one truck in, and we called just on the day. Oh, we got one coming in, you know, and he went and got mm-hmm. it. But you know, three point five twin turbo EcoBoost, right? Hybrid, right? And right. he is in love. And I got to tell you, he let me drive it. I was like, wow, this thing is fast, right? I mean, it's like right. have we actually hit the tipping point where the big V eight now could almost be looked at like a dinosaur, although Dodge with its, I should say Dodge Ram, the TRX with its big old honking V8. Now that is just, dare I say, I'm going to age myself, bossa nova, man, right? Because it's got the big V8, right? But you pay for that with the fuel economy, you know? Um, well, So yeah, it's interesting yeah. timing. Well, I always say, Alan, look, you know, every time you can do more with a smaller engine, you know, downsize the displacement, cut off some cylinders, use modern tech and create power. Right, Great. Right. But of course, there's always the part of me being the power monster, you know, a hungry guy that I am. I'm right. always saying, cool. What if you did all that tech stuff back to the V8 with the big displacement? Yeah, baby. <laughs> and that's essentially what, what, what the, yeah. you know, yeah. in other words, it's like, I'm glad you can make six cylinders perform like eight cylinders used to perform. What happens if you take all that tech that makes the six cylinder perform right. like an eight and did it to an eight? Would it right. perform like a 10 or a 12? Right. Well, but and look, look at it, the end of the day, the TRX is a hundred grand and you can't buy them. I mean, I'm mean, like window sticker on the, on the loaded ones, like 92,000. They're going for 125 and 150 grand period. So yep. people still want yep. those big V8s. If you have to ask how much you can't afford it, um, hold on. Let's yep. take a little break here. They're telling me to take a commercial. I heard you the first time. Golly. We're talking cars. We could just keep going, you know, I get in trouble, get run over. Uh, Carl Brower is here. He is executive analyst for iccars.com. I-C-Cars, and that's S-E-E.com. I-C-Cars.com. Uh, We'll be right back and talk more about this Tundra and other stuff. We'll be right back. When you think Subaru, you think love. The 2021 Subaru Outback gives you state-of-the-art active safety technology for extra confidence on every drive. 
you can count on the roomy comfort and impressive cargo space, standard raised roof rails with enhanced tie-down points, and Subaru Starlink Multimedia with an 11.6-inch high-resolution touchscreen to wrap your experience with love for your outback. Love, it's what makes Subaru, Subaru. EPA estimated highway fuel economy for 2021 Subaru Outback non-turbo models. Actual mileage may vary. Turbocharged engine, 11.6-inch touchscreen available on select models. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. Thanks for hanging in with us. We're talking some cars and trucks and things. Um, Carl Brower joining us, iccars.com. He's the uh, executive analyst over there. We're talking about this all-new 2022 Toyota Tundra, and then we're going we're gonna to switch gears and talk about the 2022 Ford Maverick after this. So uh, if you're into trucks and what have you, this is a good time to be listening. Our show brought to you in part by Subaru, and love its what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Carl Brower, okay, so hybrid Toyota Tundra and with a V6 and just a regular old V6. Odd that they aren't going with this kind of twin-turbo eco-boosty thing. Do you have any insight on why? I mean, isn't it a good idea? Obviously, look what Ford has done. It's fantastic. So why aren't some of these other car companies following suit? I'm curious your take on that. Toyota is. It is a turbocharged, I mean, Alan, it was funny when they started describing the drivetrain in the Tundra, right? 3.5 liter turbocharged V6 connected to a 10-speed automatic. Oh, huh. yeah, but not I've twin, not twin turbo, somewhere. not twin turbo though, right? Just single turbo. Or is it a sequential in line? I think it does have, I think it does have twin turbo tech. Now, now you're going to make me go have to like, oh, no, but, and, but, exactly. and that's the thing. There's so many of these different kinds of flavors. You can have a sequential right. one in front of the other, a bigger and a smaller right. turbo. You can have twin turbo one on each side, you know, all these different yep. ways of kind of looking at that. But uh, turbo clearly, I remember I'm old enough that when the turbo cars started coming out, I don't know when it was probably eighties, and it was like, oh, turbo car, bad, bad. You put your finger and make the cross, the sign of the cross, evil, because they had dissimilar yeah. metals, aluminum heads and, and cast iron blocks. And then they, they were cracking heads and overheating. And yep. they didn't have all yep. this, you know, intercoolers and stuff that were, you know, they, they were un, uh, unpurified, I guess you'd say. There wasn't really tested. A guy actually made a, a good point the other day. He goes, it's, life is like, you know, life can be like Mercedes Benz. He describes it like this. He goes, they had to crash a few cars to be able to make the cars as good as they were. And and that's where we're at. We're there now. These machines are that good. You know, they're that powerful with less cylinders. Like you said, they are more fuel efficient. They burn cleaner. So the air is cleaner. I had these kids in the car with me the other day that were like uh, 14 and 15 years old. And one of the kids mentioned, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Lock yourself in the garage and, you know, turn your car on. You can commit suicide and exhaust, blah, blah. I go, not with the new cars. And he goes, huh? I said, yeah, the old classic cars, maybe so, you know, asphyxiation, right? These new cars, right. it, you'd have to stay in your, you'd die of starvation before you die of asphyxiation with these new cars. So everything yeah. about yeah. them is better and they're more efficient, more comfortable. They're safer. They have technology, more reliable, reliable more everything. You know, Alan, they last longer. Right. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, that yeah. whole, that whole tirade was to give you a chance to look up what turbo it had. I don't know if you did or not. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, and, and to me, once you've got turbo technology, it's like you said, it's all just kind of, you know, window dressing. Is it this kind of turbo? Da, da, da. It's forced induction driven off of the exhaust uh, right. gases. That's what a turbo is. Right. And however many you use or how you place them at all, the bottom line is you're, you're making a smaller displacement engine feel and act and perform like a big displacement engine. That's what turboing does. And, it, and it's, the history of turbo is real interesting real quick because, you know, first turbos came out. And they were really inefficient, and they created a lot of heat, and they were terrible for long-term durability, and they were horrible for fuel efficiency. They were terrible with, and also for for emissions. They were they, the the things that came out of your tailpipe when you were using a turbo uh, were terrible. And this was like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, right? And then the emissions requirements shot up, and no turbos all vanished. Anyone from like our age group, we remember turbos being all over the place, and then all of a sudden they were gone, and that's because they couldn't meet the emission requirements. Then technology improved and engineering improved, just like you're talking about, Alan, and then all of a sudden turbos came back because it's like, wait, it, the concept behind the technology was not a problem. It was the execution and the lack of, for, of refinement. It wasn't sophisticated enough. Now we got computers that can meter the fuel perfectly and the fuel pressurization and all the veins and all the valves and all this kind of stuff. And then we've got better exhaust systems too that can filter stuff out. So the bottom line is technology caught up to a point of making turbos viable, even in an ultra clean, you know, pollution free world that we're trying to create. Right All right. Now. So, so they, they came, they went, they came back again, and right. now they're working very well. Well, here it is. First was the gas only twin turbo V6 making 389 horsepower, 479 pound feet of torque. So it is a twin turbo. Then yep. came the hybrid option of 3.56, 3.5 liter V6 with, uh, 1.87 kilowatt hour battery and electric motor that boosts to 437 horsepower and 583 torque. And you can tow up to 12,000 pounds. My yeah, gosh. Yeah, got a 1940, 1940 payload, 1940 pound payload and 12,000 pound towing capacity. Good Lord. Isn't that interesting? Well, I was wondering because you, believe it or not, all the things that, you know, there's what we call snackable content. That wasn't the one thing that people were talking about too much is, you know, they were talking about V6, V6, V6. But was it, you know, was it the same kind of configuration like Ford is doing? And uh, personally, I think it's it's uh, probably smart. My question is, why aren't they doing more diesel? And then I heard that. You know, there's like a Jeep, the um, the Gladiator has got a little uh, EcoBoost diesel or Eco, what do they call it? The Eco diesel. And yeah. now they're talking about, you know, there's rumblings that maybe they'll be discontinuing that. I'm like, what? Because of diesel gate yeah. and all that garbage. And I still love diesels. I love them. Even though I'm a horsepower guy, I'm also a torque guy because I like to tow. So I don't know. I, yeah. don't, I don't see this coming out with a diesel. And even Ford. Ford with their little V6 diesel. I hear they're going to discontinue that. Now, that that's a rumor. I don't know. Do you know anything about that with the F-150? I haven't heard the F-150 rumor specifically, but I just know generally what you said, which is there's such a uh, stigma around diesel engines ever since the Volkswagen thing. Uh, I think and, it's a mistake. Uh, it's really unfortunate because in certain applications, as you're saying, Alex, there's nothing better. I know. You when you get 30 miles to the gallon out of a full-size crew cab four-wheel drive truck, who does that? We'll take yeah. a little break. And pull a house. Yeah, exactly. I want to I hear, talking about Ford, I want to hear about the uh, Maverick after this. Uh, talking with Carl Brower from iccars.com.
We'll be right back. Getting a new ride is fun. Shopping online for a new car? Not so much. Stop doing the same car search over and over again on multiple sites and try Autotempest.com. See all the cars with one easy search. Our powerful search engine scours all the top car shopping sites, giving you instant results so you can easily browse all the listings with one search. Whether a dream ride, a family hauler, or a work truck, let us help you find your next ride. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by the Collector Car Network, ClassicCars.com, AutoHunter.com, and of course, all now part of Barrett-Jackson, and I'll be there in January. Carl Brower joining us. We're talking about this Toyota Tundra for 2022. Carl, I have not seen a price offered anywhere. I've been looking, and I, and I was like, okay, well, so... What? What? No price? Did they not give you any price either? They did not. And it was specifically <laughs> asked by someone at the press launch, you know, where, and this was the second kind of event. They had a preview event where we didn't drive the truck weeks ago. Then they had a more recent event where we drove the truck and all these stories are coming out and they won't tell us what the truck's going to cost. And they, they kind bizarre. of fall back on that. Oh, it's going to be very competitive, very competitive. Very like, competitive. Well, that, yeah. that doesn't mean anything, right? Okay. What's the truck going to cost? And then, you know, Alan, this has been going on for a long time. Every car company, to some extent, and I feel like the Japanese automakers are like the best or worst, depending on how you want to say it, at this, which is holding that price as late as they can. They just want to keep yeah. that price, and they don't want to release it. They don't want to commit. They don't want to commit. And they don't want to commit. And, you know, you got to look at it from their point of view. They're trying to come up with the lowest price they can come up with that they can still be profitable, yeah. where they can slightly undercut competitors. Well, they can have a great ad, you know, that says, oh, starting it. 28995 right, or whatever right, and they're right. always trying to dial right, well, hold that on hold back. on because the, we know the Toyota the dyed in the wool Toyota people are going to want to buy it no matter what the dang price is and I don't want to forget I want to talk about this Maverick so we'll, we'll let you know when they let the price out about this we've got about three and a half yeah. minutes here tell me about this little Ford Maverick truck because I'm I'm curious what you think well, first of all, we know what it costs. It starts at nineteen nine nine five, which ah, is a great nice price. Nice to know for that. that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, and for that money, you get a lot of truck. You know, you get a hybrid powered. I believe it's a two point five liter hybrid powered truck with a CVT automatic transmission, front wheel drive, and a unibody frame. And a lot of people on the truck side are going are already going. Oh my god, this vehicle is really well engineered for what it's supposed to be mm. and what it's supposed to be is a true compact truck we don't have those anymore even yeah. rangers and and uh you know colorado and all yeah. that tacomas they're huge they're, yeah. they're huge they're as big as full-size trucks from 20 years ago so exactly. we needed a new small truck ford introduced it they introduced it at a great price it gets 40 mpg in the city if wow. you get the hybrid one wow. um and it still can carry you know like 1500 pounds in payload and 2000 pounds towing and it drives really well because yeah. it drives like a car because it starts as a unibody platform. Right. So for urban, young urban people who are doing lifestyle stuff, bikes and kayaking and, and moving stuff around and all, this is going to be very desirable. And you can still get a non-hybrid version that's more powerful and it has up to a 4,000 pound towing capacity if you get the tow package and you can get an FX4 version with a bunch of off-road equipment. It'll go off-road and has, of course, all-wheel drive, not just front-wheel drive. So 
Interesting. If you can get over your hang-up on unibody construction, this is a very capable truck. Well, listen, if you want a light-duty something or other like this, that's fine. Uh, my wife, you know, I mean, we have a little tiny ranch, three and a half acres, and she's got chickens, and she's got her garden, and I mean, she's got a healthy garden, too. But she's always borrowing my, I, you know, my Jeep Gladiator. She's like, you want to sell it? And I'm like, no, I don't want to sell it. You got your SUV. I don't want to put a bale of hay in my SUV. So I, this is the kind of thing I think she would buy. She's, you know, active lifestyle. You're talking about it. She, she's like a lot of people right now. They're looking at the world condition and looking at the food shortages. And we're taking advantage of our little farm, you know. And But 4,000 pounds, that's a healthy towing range for that thing. Right. That's a lot of weight, right. you know. Yeah. Really. And fifteen hundred pounds in the in the bed, you know, yeah, that's a plenty, plenty of weight for most people. Yeah. And you know, remember this: we talked about how you're making small engines more powerful with modern tech. Right. You're making unibody chassis way stiffer and stronger totally. with modern tech. So exactly. Just like today's midsize trucks are as big as full size trucks, today's unibody vehicles, SUVs, and trucks like this Maverick, they're as stiff and as strong as former body-on-frame vehicles were exactly. 10 years ago. Nobody blinks right. if it's a, oh, yeah, my my 1998 Ford F-150. Oh, yeah, that's still a real truck. I bet you that thing's bending resistance isn't any better than this brand-new Maverick. Well, and on top of, of that, structural integrity. what you're talking about with this high tensile strength, they have some like, like three or four different variations of high tensile strength steel that they use in these cars in, the, in certain areas. So they'll have areas yep. that are crumple zones, so truthfully, you're safer in this car that will crumple around you and keep you safe. The car gives up its right. life to save yours. You can get another car. You can't get another life. Carl, thank right. you, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, the hey, Maverick. Yes, my pleasure. Uh, the Maverick going to be $19,995. Nice little truck. Toyota Tundra. Gigantic question mark. Uh, you can find Carl at uh, iccars.com. That's I-S-E-E cars.com. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to the CEO of SEMA. We'll be right back. Shopping for cars online is slow. Checking all those different sites one by one, Auto Tempest doesn't like slow. That's why we sponsor NASCAR driver Chris Busher in the number 17 Ford Mustang. It's also why we created a powerful search engine that will scour all the top car shopping sites, letting you search used car listings from across the internet in one search. Why waste time searching each site separately? Use Auto Tempest instead. Find all the cars. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, this hour of the show is dedicated to one of my favorite events in the entire world. A 
Okay, I know. I get a little excited when I talk about SEMA, S-E-M-A, the Specialty Equipment Market Association. It is a big trade show in Las Vegas every November. I've been going now for, ooh, gosh, I don't know, 92, 92. Oh, my gosh. We're talking about almost 30 years, you guys. I have met so many amazing human beings at SEMA, face-to-face events are so important in person, face-to-face. Guys like Tim Allen and Jay Leno and Snoop Dogg. I mean, you never know who you're going to see at SEMA. And usually I get to interview them because I'm on stage doing something with somebody there. This year I'll be there again. But one of my good friends, Chris Kirsting, the president and CEO of SEMA, is on the line right now to talk about what is going on at SEMA for 2021. Chris, how you doing, buddy? All right, Alan, how are you? I'm doing good. I, I'm getting excited. It's only just weeks away now. So uh, what can we expect? And I said it right, in-person connections, right? This is what this is about. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's what we've all been denied for a good long time, oh, right? Uh, yeah, tell me about it. The show is, is looking really good. Yeah. We've had all these challenges with COVID, and, and yet we've got more than – 1,370 companies, manufacturers exhibiting at the show this year. Just fantastic. And then uh, I think uh, with more than three weeks still to go, we've got about 40,000 plus resellers, the folks who are going to look at all these cool products and bring them back and and make them available to all the the gearheads all over uh, the country. And uh, that's what the SEMA show is all about. It's a marketplace to bring those manufacturers and their new products together with all those people who are going to retail that stuff. And it's really exciting to see, despite all the headwinds of what we've been dealing with the last several months, right. uh, that's a real indication of what you're talking about, how excited people are for face-to-face and the chance to also celebrate that awesome automotive culture and there's nothing like the SEMA show to do that no question about it and then you guys also for those who plan on being in Las Vegas the first week of November there is the event that is open to the public called SEMA ignited and I'm hoping that you're going to be doing that again this year right Chris absolutely yeah so it, it begins as you know with something that is extremely unique for the SEMA show there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 amazing cars and trucks that are brought to Las Vegas to celebrate the culture, show all these products off that people uh, have put together for the last year or two. And then we we round all those vehicles up at the end of the show and bring them out kind of parade style. And so we have the SEMA cruise and just an amazing opportunity for folks to, to see all those vehicles fired up. And then those vehicles end up gathering uh, across the street from the convention center there for our SEMA Ignited event, which is a big after party from the SEMA show. And folks get to enjoy getting up close to, to those vehicles, talking to the folks who built them. It's, it's really an awesome event. And I'll tell you what, out of, the, out of all the events that I do, you're talking about, you know, these 1,500 cars to showcase the products. I don't know that you actually did a good job of explaining these are some of the best cars on planet Earth. It's like, it's like <laughs> how do you even describe it? All I can tell you is, let me take a break. We'll come back and talk more about it. But when you, you when you see a car for sale and it says was a SEMA car, it is like uh, in the classic and collector car world, it's like a Pebble Beach car. 
or it's like a uh, good guys show, you know, class winner. These are award-winning cars, every one of them, 1,500 strong. Now's the time to earn your bragging rights and rule the road in a powerful Dodge vehicle. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder J.D. Power named Dodge the number one ranked brand in initial quality and driver appeal for mass market brands. Join the brotherhood and experience the strength of Dodge muscle today. Visit Dodge.com or see your local Dodge dealer for great deals. Tied for initial quality study. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our guest today in this whole hour, by the way, we're going to be talking about SEMA, the president of SEMA, Chris Kirsting, president and CEO. And then we're going to have Ed China on. Remember Ed China from Wheeler Dealers? Him and Mike Brewer. There you go. Yeah, he's going to talk about SEMA as well and his new show. So, uh, Chris Kirsting joining us. Uh, Chris... So SEMA Ignited, which is open to the public, but this is a trade show, and you have to be in the industry, and you have to register, and you know it's not easy for the average Joe to get in there. I mean, you have to be in the automotive industry. So the beautiful thing about SEMA Ignited and the parade that you guys do, and there is a lot of cars outside, is that you do give people a chance to see all these amazing show cars that, at the end of the day, will... Be seen for the first time a lot of times. The world sees them for the first time at SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Market Association trade show. A lot of television shows are mm-hmm. shot there, and I've shot some myself there, and I do radio there every year. And then is there anything else that's uh, special going on people can look forward to for the general public? Yeah, we got something really special this year up. So Seam Ignited takes place in the afternoon. We start, as I said, with the cruise and go into the evening. But uh, this year, for the first 5,000 folks who register, we have an opportunity for people to buy a special pass that gives them the opportunity to go into the SEMA show on Friday. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So for your listeners that are interested, SEMAignited.com. Uh, to go in there and uh, be one of the lucky few who get to see that SEMA show and and then participate in SEMA Ignited. Nice. Pretty cool opportunity this year. Yeah. A lot of the folks who come, Alan, as you know, a lot of the uh, manufacturers who are there, they really prize the opportunity to hear from the real gearheads out there. And and those are the people who who enjoy this kind of thing and show up. So we're trying to, to make a little room for that. It is a B2B event all week. And, uh, there are, you know, so many people in the industry who really prize that as well because it's an important once a year chance for all these people to get together and do business. But we are trying to make a little room and at the end of the week there share a little of the SEMA show so that people can get out there and enjoy it, the public and all those enthusiasts who just love cars and trucks, give them a chance to see this. Yeah, no question. How many exhibitors are there this year? Because I know, obviously, with COVID, we've got a, probably a, some people that just aren't going to be able to make it. But that still doesn't mean there aren't, I don't know, at least, a, I have to imagine, a thousand? 
would be my guess. Yeah, we're sneaking up on 1,400. Oh we're uh, somewhere gosh, uh, north of 1,370 oh exhibiting companies gosh. right now. So by the time we get there, we'll probably be cresting that 1,400 number. So that, that's fantastic. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And you think about it, the SEMA show is normally every year. It's been two years, Alan, since yeah. these folks, these manufacturers got to bring all their great new products to market be able to, to show this stuff off. You know, we've one of the features at the SEMA show that people love the new product showcase. We've got more than a thousand new products already registered oh for the gosh. new product showcase. And that's what it's all about. You know, everybody wants to, and, and, and you, anybody who's been to the SEMA show, you know, we got every one of the, the automotive segments, the hobbies, the lifestyles, they're all represented under that, that roof. And, Folks get to come and see all the coolest, most innovative products that, that have been developed over the last year and this time the last two years. Right. Uh, so it's awesome. And uh, it really it's something that's unique about our industry. Innovation is is the heartbeat. And the SEMA show is the opportunity for these guys to show off that innovation. So well, uh, we're really looking forward to finally being able to do it again. I would say that I've met more stars. You know, I've been on ABC with uh, Regis and Kelly, and now it's Kelly and Ryan Seacrest for 22 years. And every year I show the new cars for the New York Auto Show. Now, this year I had one day before they canceled the New York Auto Show. I'm like, here's the new Jeep Grand Cherokee L, and here's this going to be at the New York Auto Show. And then the next day they canceled the New York Auto Show. I was like, oh, no. So fortunately, you guys are in Vegas. Vegas is pretty open. You don't have to have a vaccine to go in, which is, I think, important for a lot of people that are, you know, deciding not to do that. I think, you know, this whole pandemic has got our whole world kind of up in arms about uh, so many things, but um, you're going to use all the safety that you have to. But I've seen so many celebrities there. I've met Dale Earnhardt Jr. I've met, um, of course, I was talking about Snoop Dogg and Tim Allen and Jay Leno. And I'm, I'm looking through my list of people that are the song. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top is there almost every year he's there. You know, you've got uh, Michael oh, yeah. Anthony from... Uh, you know, I, I, it's like, who hasn't been there? I think all the, the rock and roll gearheads, as Billy calls himself, all the rock and roll gearheads from the celebrity world have been there. And I'm sure we're going to have yeah. more of that. Do you have one more segment with me? I can take one more minute with you here. Because I got, there's more to talk oh, yeah. about. By golly, a commercial break going to run. Speaking of ZZ Top, here's a little on bad of Nationwide. Um, we're talking about SEMA with the president and CEO, my friend Chris Kirsting. SEMA.org, S-E-M-A.org. Um, you can go, even if you're a consumer, to SEMA Ignited. So check it out at all at SEMA.org. We'll be right back. It is The Drive. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. When you think Subaru, you think love. The 2021 Subaru Outback will make you fall in love with its state-of-the-art safety features, a spacious and comfortable interior, and convenient amenities, all ready for any adventure. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus up to 33 miles per gallon, 8.7 inches of ground clearance, X-Mode with hill descent control, and a direct-injected turbocharged Subaru Boxer engine will make you love every adventure in your Outback. Love, it's what makes Subaru, Subaru. 
EPA estimated highway fuel economy for 2021 Subaru Outback non-turbo models. Actual mileage may vary. Turbocharged engine, 11.6-inch touchscreen available on select models. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And don't forget, our uh, sponsors uh, are some of the best. Of course, we have Dodge, domestic, not domesticated. Uh, Subaru, you know, love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And our friends at Auto Tempest, autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Try it, autotempest.com. Right now, we have my friend Chris Kirsting, who's the president uh, and CEO of SEMA. And uh, coming up at, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Ed China, who uh, was the mechanic on Wheeler Dealers with Mike Brewer. And now he's got a new show, and he's also going to be at SEMA. We're going to talk about what he's going to be doing there. Chris, let's talk about kind of the, the other side of SEMA, which is, you know, not the trade show for a minute. Because I know, and Chris said to me during the commercial break, by the way, all those celebrities you saw there, there were that many more that were undercover looking at cars. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So they just stay under the radar. That's man. Right. They're, they're there, they enjoy it, and they're, they're not trying to make a scene. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. So SEMA also offers year-round education and market research, and they have the RPM Act, Government Overreach, and the importance of individual membership of SAN, SEMA. What is that? The SEMA Action Network. SEMA Action Network. Yeah. yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about that first. Right. So when we aren't at the SEMA show, this is an organization that's built to help the industry and to help the enthusiasts. That's what we do. And one of the most important things that we do is protect and preserve the rights of folks to enjoy their cars and trucks. And, you know, there's a lot of government regulation out there. And sometimes that government regulation gets a little unreasonable and we've got to push back and other instances, we're able to go out proactively and get new laws and regs passed that help folks, like uh, easing vehicle titling for older vehicles, as an example. So SEMA's been working at that for many, many years. And one of the really important pieces of this that we can talk to, to the folks who are tuned in for you about is, is getting them involved. And uh, we've got a couple of opportunities there. One is that SEMA's opened up a new category of membership for the individual enthusiasts. We call it the SEMA individual membership. And it's a way for folks to get engaged, plug into SEMA, get informed, learn more about the laws and regulations that are out there that threaten the hobby, and be able to take part in doing something about it. So raising a voice, letting those lawmakers, policymakers know that we're out there, we care, we vote, and, uh, it's important to make sure that the hobby gets to thrive and, and survive. So right. we'd like to ask your listeners to join us. Uh, we've got a, a website they can go to at SEMA.org, and you go forward slash in this one, individual member. And that'll take you directly to the spot where you can sign up and, and join as a SEMA individual member. You're going to learn a lot about what's happening out there that threatens the hobby. You're going to have an opportunity to know about the lawmakers who are supportive to our industry and the hobby and be able to support them. And uh, it's really important. You know, for many years, we had the SEMA Action Network, 
which you made reference to, right. sand. Right. And the difference here is that you actually get to become a, a member of SEMA, mm. and we're able to connect with you on a different level. Right. And uh, so we encourage folks who are part of the SEMA Action Network already, hop on over to SEMA.org forward slash individual member and join us uh, for that individual membership. But cool thing, and, and one of the, you mentioned one of the things that we've got going right now that is really important we need some help with, the RPM Act. This is all about a position that the EPA took a few years ago after, I don't know, 50, 60 years of the Clean Air Act being in place. They came out and said, the way we read the law, it is illegal to convert a certified, an emission certified street vehicle to go racing. And, you know, this is something that I have to remind them. I always say this when we talk about this, the word stock car are in the NASCAR acronym. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right, like, stock it, car. It, right? Wasn't, it wasn't like we were trying to do this under the radar on <laughs> right. you guys, you know? Uh, and so why now, after all these years, EPA tries to change the, the, the position on the law? And so we've gone to Congress to get clarification. It's pretty simple. We've got good support for it. But like anything, there are lots of laws and regulations and, and lots of, of proposed legislation in Congress you got to make a lot of noise to help the members of Congress understand this one's important and they got to take the time and get this thing passed. So we need folks help with that. We've actually got a, a, a website there that folks can go in directly on that one, saveourracecars.com mm. and help support the RPM Act. In there, you can easily hook up to be able to write a, a letter to your members of Congress. I think even in this last week, we started a campaign where we gave folks the right information to be able to call those offices. So it's a really easy to do sort of a, yeah. a, an effort and means a lot to trying to make sure that the EPA and the Clean Air Act interpretation doesn't end up moving people off the racetrack. Uh, totally. It's just ridiculous, and, and we really need some help. All right. SEMA.org is the website. You can noodle around in there and find all kinds of interesting stuff. If That's you're a right. Car all this guy, stuff that I'm mentioning is there, too. Yeah, exactly. If you're a car guy or car gal, uh, you want to get involved, this is the best place to do it. SEMA.org. S-E-M-A.org. Chris Kirsting, President and CEO. I'll see you out there in just a... a, a a very short amount of time. Yeah, Chris, thank you, sir. That's right. Yep. Just a few weeks. Thank that's you. Right. All right. And coming up next, we're going to talk more about SEMA with uh, Ed China from Wheeler Dealers, who now has a new show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Shopping cars online is a hassle, or is it? You probably search this site, that site, browse here, search there. Who has the time or the patience? Autotempest.com is the Internet's best car shopping tool. With one easy search, see all the cars from the web's top car shopping sites all at once. Why browse some of the cars when Autotempest.com gives you everything? Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, it is time to talk to an old friend of mine that I haven't spoken to in a while. His name? 
the infamous Ed China, a brother from another British mother. Ed, how you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm great, Alan. How are you doing? It's been, as you say, a very long time indeed, because it was SEMA, I seem to remember, but I have no idea what year. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was two or three years ago. So the question that everyone wants to know is, where the hell have you been? My goodness. <laughs> well, it was kind of mad. I mean, I could, I could have got lost on your highways, because obviously, as you remember, we were uh, sort of on the, the CTEC stand, back in the day, and we actually had the sofa car, the casual loafer. And after SEMA, um, obviously getting there was an adventure in itself. We had a small fire just beforehand, and then we had, we had a little bit of filming with Jay Leno and stuff, so that was all great fun. And then we, after SEMA, we actually drove the sofa from L.A. up to San Francisco just so I could go down Lombard Street and then drove all the way back and broke down almost every single day because we have an overheating problem. So there we are. <laughs> so, so let's just make sure we get this straight, that he drove a sofa... Yes, a sofa from Los Angeles to San Francisco just so he could drive down Lombard Street, which is that crazy, windy, twisty road. And um, I know that you were with uh, Aaron Hagar, both of our friend. I, he, he has videos, yeah, yeah. you know, right? And you guys had some fun. What was that sofa powered by just b- before we get on? Because I, I, it just looked like a sofa rolling down the road. <laughs> well, thank you. That, that, that was the, the, the original thing, to try and make it look as little like the car as possible. And it is powered by a classic Mini. It's a 1300 engine and uh, automatic, so it, one less thing to have to deal with. And you actually steer with a pizza pan uh, or a pizza pie, whatever, and then you have a, a drinks can as a brake chocolate bar for the gears. Um, and it's just it's the coolest thing. I mean, it, like, I mean, going down the one the way back, you know, sort of around Big Sur and stuff. It was just epic. I mean, I've done that that trip a lot of times, but in the sofa, it was a whole other level. It was amazing. <laughs> Not in the sofa, on the sofa. <laughs> well, on the sofa. Yeah, I go, well, you sit on it. You don't sit in a sofa unless right. it's going really badly. <laughs> right, right. So if you guys don't know this name and this voice, Ed China, he was the mechanic, the guy that was solving all the problems on Wheeler Dealer the TV show with uh, Mike Brewer, who both are buddies of mine. And, but now you have broken off to go on your own. You have got a new show and I want you to tell the world, I guess it's already had 4.1 million views on YouTube. Talk about this, uh, this, what is it? Garage revival pilot. What is it? What's going on? Oh, actually, well, that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So basically when I left the show, Obviously, there were so many things I wanted to do, along with driving up and down California with my sofa. Uh, you know, so I had some really fun years doing all kinds of stuff, doing speed records and other bits and pieces. And then we did a, with some friends in Norway, we did a show called Garage Revival. Ah. And it was just like a pilot. It was just an idea for a show where we actually kind of took, you know, took my, I guess, sort of know-how perhaps or some top tips and stuff to people in, at home, you know, people who needed a bit of help just to get a project along. You know, we've all been there. We've all had a project that's lasted six, 20 years, whatever, you know, you know and you get stuck for some reason and you never kind of go back to it. So right. the idea was we'd go in and try and sort that out. And then this particular show, the pilot, we actually, there's a guy with a Mark, uh, well, a golf, little uh, golf GTI thing. Um, and he was playing around with it at home and he built his own little garage. It was in a very cold time of the year for Norway. So it's like minus 20 something degrees outside. 
and a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and um, yeah, we just kind of, he, he determined to fit Carbretters to his, or to remove the eye from his GPI. And it, it was a really great fun show and it's obviously been really well received, which is great. And we've kind of been sort of oh, casually talking gosh. to, you know, the odd channel about maybe making it into a series. But it's one of those things, uh, I guess, uh, I'm I'm too <laughs> too keen to crack on with other things. So so we've actually gone, but that's still in the in a sort of on the sidelines waiting to happen. But uh, we may be doing. Actually, we've been talking to some guys down in Australia and New Zealand, and oh also some guys in the states we're talking to. So it's going to happen, but I just don't know when. But in the meantime, wait we've a minute, wait, and we've gone on to YouTube. Wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about. Just so you know, he's calling from I think London, right? That's correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. it's like uh, morning here and in almost evening there, and or evening, whatever time it is. I don't even know. Although eight hours difference from where I am, I think. But yeah, so yeah. yes, you are a very international man. Now, my dad was born in London. I told you my story is I could very easily have a, 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 a distinctive British accent just like you do because my father was born in London. But my problem is my mother is from Alabama, so I have to have a little bit of redneck in me, too, if you know what I mean. So I'm a redneck. I'm kind of a redneck Jew. I'm kind of a crossover kind of a creature, you know. But you uh, you work all over the world. But the show that is the new show, because I was wondering, I go, well, which one is it? Is it this the, the garage, as you call it, the garage revival, or this the <laughs> show that is <laughs> yes, the, your way exactly, the workshop diaries? Then that must be the big show oh, yeah. right now. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, that's it. So I mean, we were kind of playing around with ideas as to what you know, what, where to go next, what to, what to play around with, and it was kind of. The longer I put it off, the, the more the fans would just kind of really want to see me fix stuff, I guess. And they sort of made it very clear that that's exactly what I wanted to see. And so we were kind of, I guess it was one of those things during lockdown, you know, we've all had some fun with that, I guess. And, and um, it just happened at the same sort of time that uh, there was a, a, like a farm where we kind of keep some of the stuff, you know, the, the, the farmer had a spare unit or like a farm. And, uh, you know, so we, and, and fine, I've been hassling him for years about it. And, and finally, he went, actually, yes, you know, you, now you can have it. And I was like, okay, cool. So we then spent most of lockdown kind of doing the place sort of a little bit, you know, sort of like building some walls and stuff. And then actually steam cleaning the entire thing. So, so Mrs. C was up there at the top of a forklift truck, steam cleaning right. the roof and everything. And, um, you know, we kind of got, because obviously, again, we, 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 it was nice that we, even though we couldn't get anybody else involved at that point, we could just get on and get busy. And then we kind of set up the studio, built a mezzanine and all that kind of stuff, and, and then effectively dragged all the cars, all the stuff in that had been in storage around and started making the show. And so the show is a weekly show, which is kind of crazy. So it used to take us about eight weeks, I guess, to, <laughs> to make an episode of Wheeler Dealers. Right. We're now doing this every week, which oh, is nuts. Um, and uh, we're actually doing about the same duration as a, as a TV hour. So my bit used to be about 20-odd minutes. Oh in Wheeler Dealers, and now we're doing about 40, it seems, at the moment. And so it's even more crazy, but oh. uh, it's really good fun. And we've kind of done, uh, we've got like nearly a million sort of subscribers, about 850,000 oh subscribers, and we've gosh. done about sort of 15 and a half million views. I love uh, it. Just in six months. All right, hold, hold tight, hold tight. I got to tell you, I love this because... First of all, I love Ed China. Can't get enough Ed China. You guys can find him if you go to youtube.com slash Ed, E-D-D, Ed China. Uh, you can find out more about his show, Workshop Diaries. This guy also, by the way, is the setter and breaker of numerous world records, Guinness Book of World Records, mostly in wacky vehicles. We're going to come back and talk more Ed China right here on The Drive. Don't go anywhere. There's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. 
Why should you trust Brembo Brakes? Because 60 years of racing, testing, braking, and bettering. Because dogs in the road, indecisive squirrels, and that kid chasing the lost ball. Because tiny humans in the back seat and blind turns in front of you. Because every car should be equipped with the same kind of performance, safety, and comfort that manufacturers and professional drivers trust every day. Visit buybrimbo.com and learn more about the most trusted brakes in braking. Oh, yes, I do feel good because I've got Ed China on the line here all the way from London. My brother from another British mother. And uh, he is all the way from London. And his TV show on YouTube, Workshop Diaries, he's already done 29 episodes. It's a relatively new show because he's doing one a week. Which is crazy. You yeah. know you know what I like about that, though? Crazy. I got to tell you. You are an authentic guy. And even when you you were doing Wheeler Dealer, you guys, how many episodes? There was a lot of episodes, like uh, 125 or 30 or so episodes. Uh, well, I think, yeah. I, yeah. I did 135 cars, I seem to remember. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, it was about 13 years. So it's pretty full on. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so you're going to catch up and pass that in no time at all. The show was so good because it was so authentic to you and Mike and the you know the way you guys did things and still do things and and here you are now off and doing your own things. I told the people on the other side of that break there that you also are a setter and breaker of numerous Guinness Book of World Records in mostly wacky vehicles. Maybe we could talk about that for a minute. Again, I know we know about yeah. the uh the sofa mobile that you drove from LA to San Francisco, but what else? Well, actually, um, one of the things we follow on the show, in fact, is uh, I did the, the world record for the world's fastest electric ice cream van. Um, it <laughs> took a while to get to happen and stuff, and I had to invent a way to actually make the ice cream electrically as well. So that was one of them, certainly. That's my most recent record. But we've done stuff with the world's fastest bed, the world's fastest bathroom, fastest shed, fastest office, um, world's largest motorized shopping trolley until I was beaten by some guy in the States with a, a massive, great big supercharged, whatever it is. You know, So right. it's kind of it's great fun. And and I guess I get to do a lot of silly stuff. So it's, it's been really, really good fun over the years. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. So when you went to YouTube, of course, it's kind of a new frontier for content creators such as yourself and even me. I kind of was like a, a pioneer back about 25 years ago when I started doing a radio show for Motor Trend magazine. Right, I, it was like a magazine radio yeah. show that people could relate to for the weekend. Which is here, this yeah. show is still here. You know, twenty nine years later, doing the same exact thing. It's just we work with car and driver, motor train, whoever else, because we've worked with both of them. And but what happens is the internet, like what you're doing, you don't have to have a network anymore. Like you guys were, uh, no. You guys were kind of stuck under the, uh, I think it's the uh, Discovery Channel umbrella. Was it Discovery or was it BBC? What was it? Well, it was, it was Discovery and, and, of course, over your side of the pond, it was Velocity. Oh, that's and, what it was, Velocity. Um, and I guess yeah. which then, then became Motor Trend, actually. So, right. I mean, yeah, it was it was an interesting thing because obviously working for a, so like a, I guess, I suppose some people might rudely say dinosaur TV. Network, I know. I guess that's funny. They had their ways of doing stuff. And I think and I, there was a lot of layers of management and that kind of stuff. And I right. think... 
you know, it was it was a really great ride, and you know, it was it was amazing being kind of the biggest, one of the biggest shows on the channel. So we were like in two hundred territories around the world. Apparently, three hundred million views. I mean, it was mad. I mean, you know, so so we were everywhere. I can't go anywhere in the world without actually getting spotted doing something. So I've got to be on my best behaviour most of the time. But I mean, the thing about YouTube, as you say, is that like still anyone can get it. I mean, we we we're actually filming. I mean, I guess one of the crazy things is we're filming like a a five course meal on a, on a tapas bar. <laughs> so, so that's the kind of tricky thing. I mean, we do it all in 4k. So you can watch it on your big TV. So you can actually watch it just like you would before. Right. Um, and at the moment, you know, we're still playing around with the content as to the duration and stuff, but essentially it's just like, you know, the show might've been before, but just more technical stuff, more detail. Cause that seemed to be what all the audience wanted. Right. And it's, yeah. And it's, and it's a real adventure. God, I love it. Workshop diaries on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Ed China two D's in Ed and uh, workshop diaries. There's already 29 episodes. Do you get to swear? Because if I want to say a word, I have to make up one like shiznit. You know, I can kind of take the word I want to say and kind of create a, a Franken word out of it. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've always tried to be very good about that. I mean, I think, you know, we, we kind of, we have eduendos. So there's a whole <laughs> drinking game, which we can talk about later, but it's, it's kind of like, um, so there's, there's things that other people think are rude, but I'm happy to be very polite, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm a proper British man, you are. Gosh, I love this. Okay, so, like, what are you working on now? What if, if people were to tune in in the next few weeks? What would they be see? What would they see be, be being created by the Edwin? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got t- today's episode is just the finishing off of the electric ice cream van project. Okay, and then uh, we've also got this kind of really manky old Range Rover that was left in someone's garden for about ten years, and it really looks it. And, and it's just a friend of mine. And so we're just kind of helping him getting it back on the road. And it's, it's one of those impossible tasks. It's a ridiculous challenge, but the audience have really got behind it. And in fact, actually, I think that's probably the favorite show you know, or favorite project we're working on right now for everybody else. It's a huge amount of work. I mean, you know, we left it moss-ridden for quite some time. but then gave it a good steam clean and uh, sort of that all out. I mean, we've just been fixing bits and pieces just to get it on the road a little bit. We went through like the, the, the test, like the smog test. It failed epically. So now we know what we're going to do. We know we've had a chat with, the, with John, the owner, and, and we're now going to actually try and do it up somehow. So it's going to probably be, I guess, a rat rover is what I'm thinking. Oh, my gosh. Well, I've got, uh, whenever you're ready to uh, work on another project here, um, I've got a 1992 Volkswagen Cabriolet, Wolfsburg edition, white on white, white interior, white everything. Been sitting in my field for five years, maybe eight. Uh, I have one of the Olympic vehicles from 1984 Olympics, one of the torch relay buses that I bought in 1985 that has got 22,000 original miles. Yeah, 30-foot bus. That's been converted to a motor. I've got some fun vehicles. We're going to have to talk. We're going to come back more with Ed China, his new show, Workshop Diaries. You can find it on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash edchina. When we come back, we're going to uh, find out more about what Ed's doing. We'll be right back. Now's the time to earn your bragging rights and rule the road in a powerful Dodge vehicle. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder J.D. Power named Dodge the number one ranked brand in initial quality and driver appeal for mass market brands. Join the brotherhood and experience the strength of Dodge muscle today. Visit Dodge.com or see your local Dodge dealer for great deals. Tied for initial quality study. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. 
Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Dodge Domestic, not domesticated. Also, we're part of the Collector Car Network, which includes Collector Car... Uh, let's see, ClassicCars.com. I have to go through all these things. AutoHunter.com. AutoHunter's uh, an auction site where you you can buy cars on the auction. Collector uh, ClassicCars.com is a um, it's a what do they call that? Where you put your car for sale, classified, and then there's the ClassicCars.com journal, and it's all underneath Barrett Jackson now, part of the Barrett Jackson world, the Collector Car Network. Fact sheet. I'm having to write this off the fact sheet. There's so many things going on there. It's hilarious. Barrett Jackson is just <laughs> kicking butt. Ed China joining us, and Ed is all the way uh, out in London right now. His TV show Workshop Diaries. It's on YouTube, and uh, 29 episodes and counting. And he's got another show that he may be doing. Gar- Garage Revival. And <laughs> thank you. It's the way you tell him. <laughs> exactly. Garage. And then. Um, also, can we talk about this uh, book, Grease Junkie? Yeah. Yeah. Tell the world about that. <laughs> well, that was kind of mad. I, I guess basically this publisher just phoned up one day and just said, hey, do you want to write a book? And it's like, I don't know, is it going to hurt? Is that, well, I've never done one before. you know. And so it was a whole new experience, to be honest. And it was kind of, again, one of those things I could do because I wasn't then full-time making a show. Right. And uh, you know, we sort of started writing down some sort of various anecdotes and stuff. And it's kind of interesting because you, you get into that process and then you realize some of the stories you've been telling for years are just rubbish and should never be repeated. So they got you know, deleted. But it's a very cathartic process. And I, I wrote it with my wife, Imogen, and we kind of just, you know, we got into a, you know, a groove. And as the time went on, there was a few delays early on. And so we had like probably two months, maybe three months, a really intensive kind of just writing and rewriting and whatever. And we kind of got into a rhythm of it and stuff. And then we did all the, found all the pictures and stuff to go with that. So it was a really, you know, it was a real kind of labor of love. But it's been really cool. We did a little launch, actually, with um, Audiobooks, Aerobooks, over in, sort of, again, over in Burbank. And that was great fun. Again, when we had the sofa and stuff, and yeah. that was all good. So it was kind of, it's just been a really fun thing. And it's kind of, and it's what's interesting is now it's just like closure. <laughs> so that, I, I managed right. to do some more adventures, so I've got more to write about for the next bit. Oh, well, excellent. All right, by the way, it's just rubbish. I love that. Okay, so we just had Chris Kirsting on, who's the president of SEMA, just ahead of you, president and CEO. Are you coming to SEMA? Yeah. Not this year. I don't believe it's a real So it's kind of like, I'm a bit gutted. I mean, I have to say, because of that, as a consolation prize, I'm going to be sort of messing around with the guys who are doing the London to Brighton uh, veteran run. So there's all these cars pre-1904. So they're kind of like almost pre-brass cars. And then then basically they go from London to Brighton. And it's a mad Edwardian extravaganza. So it's not going to be terrible, but I'm hoping next year... I'll get to see you again at SEMA. That would be amazing. All right. Well, doggone it. I heard rumors you were going to go. I was all excited. By the way, my dad grew up in Brighton, down on the beach, or I should say the pebbles down there. Yeah. But now, (laughs) just so you know, that's a bunch of rubbish, and I'm gutted that you're not coming to SEMA. Bloody hell. (laughs) I don't know what to do. Well, dang it. I was, like, excited that I was going to get to see you in just a few weeks. Oh, well. Well, I, I'll have to come yeah, to no, England. I was, I was looking forward to it myself. But I guess I the thing is this, this tiny little virus issue we've yeah. got, I think it's, uh, I it's causing havoc everywhere. So I guess I guess we'll just have to write yep. uh, off this year till next year. Right? I know, right? Well, a lot of people are. I know that they're, they're still holding it. Obviously, we just got done talking to them. But a lot of people are not going. And it makes me very sad because our world is so 
adversely affected by fear. And I, I get it because, you know, yeah. listen, I have a dear friend that I see every year at SEMA who has passed away from COVID. Craig Morrison, wow. you know, Art Morrison chassis, his son, Craig Morrison, 43 years old, died of COVID here about uh, three or four months ago. And so I get it. Wow, People are bad. afraid. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I am going and I'm going to be... Uh, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. Well, there's no babies there, but I'll be kissing people, I guess. But <laughs> All right, I'm not kissing anybody. Whether, but... whether they like it or not. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. exactly right. <laughs> well, doggone it. Listen, if you get back to the States, you've always got a place at my house. I'll have to ask my wife first, but I think it's okay. And uh, please tell your very good. <laughs> please tell your wife I said hello and thank you for spending the Absolutely. time with us today. You know it's been a lot of fun. I will now start watching the show like you guys all should too. Twenty nine episodes available. Workshop Diaries with Ed China. Once again, youtube.com slash Ed China. You can find his YouTube page. And all we can do is wish you the best and uh, hope that you stay safe over on the other side of the pond. And I'll have to hook you up Indeed, with my... you too, uh, sir. Yeah, yes. and we'll see you soon. <laughs> I'll, I'll hook you up with my, my cousin Jonathan, who'll teach you some proper, proper English. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he always says to me. I need to teach you some proper English. All right, Ed China, thank you, brother. Love you, man. Appreciate it. See you soon, man. Cheers. Right. Thank you. Take care. That's it for me this week. You guys, go out and live your life. None of us are getting off this planet alive anyway. You might as well enjoy yourself. See you next week. When you think Subaru, you think love. The 2021 Subaru Outback gives you state-of-the-art active safety technology for extra confidence on every drive. You can count on the roomy comfort and impressive cargo space, standard raised roof rails with enhanced tie-down points, and Subaru Starlink Multimedia with an 11.6-inch high-resolution touchscreen to wrap your experience with love for your Outback. Love, it's what makes Subaru, Subaru. EPA estimated highway fuel economy for 2021 Subaru Outback non-turbo models. Actual mileage may vary. Turbocharged engine, 11.6-inch touchscreen available on select models.